Let me uh, begin by greetings. Uh, good morning, good afternoon, and uh, good day to all of us who are joining this webinar from whichever part of the world you are joining. I welcome you uh, to an exciting moment across uh, webinar today. I believe the Lord has a lot for us in store, and I believe we are going to be greatly blessed by the time we are done with this webinar. We do pray that God will take all the glory for what he has for us today. Um, I'm excited about the topic, confidence in our Christian work. Um, it's a reality we should know. Growing up as a Christian, uh, we were taught assurance of salvation, assurance of faith, assurance of answered prayer, and all of the assurances you can think of that uh, should make you work with confidence in following God. Without such confidences, there is no way we will be able to stay through uh, following God because of the uh, challenges, myriads of challenges that the believer will have to contend with in this world. And so I am particularly excited and looking forward to listen to what the Lord has in store for us through his servant. But before I invite uh, Vice President's Strategic Initiative, uh, to take over the, the platform and introduce our guest speaker, I would like to lead us in a minute in a prayer. So let's bow our heads as we pray. Dear Lord, we thank you. We are grateful that you have gathered us again. Thank you for the gift of technology that we can come and listen to your word through it and bringing us from different parts of the world to be uh, beneficiaries of your word. Lord, we are grateful. I pray that you will guide, that the technology will work well today. I pray, Lord, that uh, you will give us ears to hear and hearts to believe your word. I pray, Lord, that you'll give us faith that will not just hear or listen, uh, but that we will put into use the things we have learned so that uh, um, uh, work with you uh, uh, flourishes. So please have your way in our midst this day. And as many who are yet to join, we pray, Lord, that uh, you will help them. Uh, help people with uh, technology problems in different places that they are trying to connect so that together we will listen to this precious word of yours. Thank you, because you'll do much more than we are asking this day. And at the end, glory will come back to you. This we pray and ask with thanksgiving in Jesus' name. Amen. And having done this, I would like to invite my brother, Dan Kramer, the Vice President Strategic Initiative for Africa. Uh, Dan, you have this time to introduce our guest speaker. You can say the opening words and then inviting God's blessings. Thank you. Thank you very much. And thank you for the opportunity to introduce uh, my friend uh, and someone that I have a great respect for. I have uh, gotten to know Bishop Peter uh, very quickly in a very short time, and it's through the work of ministry. 
And so there's things that you learn about a person very quickly through this work. Um, it begins with just his welcoming spirit. And he is a leader who just has a welcoming spirit for all of the people that he's involved with, for strangers, for friends, for workers. And most of all, he's just inviting and he's a participating, participating leader is that he's not someone who just comes in and brings a new person in. He actually sits down and takes the time to get to know. And so he leads by doing. Uh, one of the strongest qualities that I think he has is, uh, is his humility. And I think that's right from the nature of God and the God that he follows as a person. Um, but I also know that he's a leader who takes on the burdens of other, other people and other people's work, whether that be the people he leads, the people he, he reaches out to, or just his fellow co-workers when he picks up the bun. Um, he sees them and he does them. But about anything, um, I love his topic because uh, it is him. He actually is one of the most visionary leaders that I know uh, because there are some people who lead and do the job well. There are others who actually do above and beyond the job, but then there's still yet others who see what the job will become. And that is, that is how I've come to know him. And so it is a real privilege to hear him and just be able to introduce him. So thank you, Bishop Peter, for being here and for your topic and for what you're about to say. We pray it's blessings upon many who are listening. Thank you. Um, thank you very much, uh, Brother Dan, for that introduction about me um, and thank you for even mentioning the things that uh, I've never thought of about myself um, but thank you and may God bless you so uh, friends um, I'm happy to be a part of uh, the webinar today and uh, this is afternoon here in Tanzania and I know in other places is possibly in the morning and some is getting dark. So you're welcome to um, uh, this uh, topic today that we have that um, uh, I want to share uh, something to do with confidence that we have in our Christian walk and the confidence that we should have is a reality that God has given us is uh, the revelation that God has brought down to us and by grace that some of us now are in the ship and but still some outside and so I want to uh, uh, share this uh, as can you see my screen? Yes, we can. Okay. So my topic today is confidence in our Christian work. That is a reality that we all should have. And um, I want to read a verse of scriptures from 1 John chapter 5. It's one of my favorite verses that I usually go to when I I am just like uh, losing my confidence. I go to this portion of scripture just for my reminder. 
It says, I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, so that you may know that you have eternal life. This is the confidence we have in approaching God, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. This is 1 John chapter 5, verse 13 to 14. So what is confidence per se? Um, just as I was trying to uh, peruse uh, through the Oxford Advanced Learners Dictionary, as it defines, it has given like three meanings. So the first one being the feeling that you can trust or believe in or be sure about the abilities or good qualities of somebody or something. It might be a pastor, might be a manager or the president or maybe a king. So that feeling that I can trust that person is confidence according to Oxford Advanced Learners Dictionaries. The meaning that I am buying into because it goes straight to what we are going to say today. But again, the second meaning is about a belief in your own ability to do things and be successful. Maybe we'll not take so much on that. And the other one is about the feeling that you are certain about something. So when someone is sick, for example, and you strongly believe or hold into that this person is going to get well. This is confidence. So now, as Christians, we have confidence. However, the opposite of confidence is fear. And the fear, of course, causes lack of confidence. So we have faces of fear that cause lack of confidence in man's life. And these are like the past time experience. We have the present time experience. We have the future time anticipated experience. Now, when people read from history, or they are told from the uh, cultural backgrounds, maybe about the ancestral spirits, they kind of create fear that what's going to happen? Like you go to some of the tribes here in Tanzania, they fear this ancestral spirit. Like if you don't please them, you will be doomed. Like I was ministering among Muslim, Muslims in Tanzania, but at, at the same time, they are animists. So they are folk of Islam. And these guys, there was a time they gave us a land to put our church building on. Now, before we put our church building, they approached me and said, instead, instead of continuing building or setting your buildings on the land that we have given you, you have to appease, you have to give a lamb so that we can sacrifice on the land. But I refused because I know the lamb, the only lamb has been given for us, that is Jesus Christ. And so there is fear in people because of that past experience. And even they went back and told me, there are friends of yours who came here some time ago and they tried to refuse to give 
the lamb so that we could sacrifice in the land. And when they refused, all the houses that they were trying to build, they all collapsed. So it was a, such a story of fear that was even trying, uh, they were trying to force onto me. Sometimes there is a fear of revenge. Now, just take the story of uh, Rwanda. Um, they were a tribal war, tribalism, ethnicity, where the Tuts and the Hutu were fighting against one another. And so they were calling all these evil names against one another because they hated. And so uh, I had a friend who um, happened to come and uh, go to school together with me uh, here in Tanzania. And his boy always said, when I go back to Rwanda, I'm going to revenge. Why? He said, because they have killed most of my, my relatives. So I want to revenge. So there's that past experience. It creates something like fear and anger. And so, but uh, this time, this pastor that we were together in this school, sometimes he could dream like even someone is chasing him, uh, like wanting to kill him. When he wakes up, he's just in, in bed. And so there's that past experience. So fear brings that uh, past, uh, past experience brings fear. But also there is a past, past time experience, like poverty. How am I going to survive? You know, I am poor. I can even not take my children to school. I cannot even do what, what, what. So there is fear and there is insecurity in that. Also diseases. Also, the inferiority complex, hatred, and lack of true relationships and punishment. So this also creates fear. But also future time anticipated experience, like the eschatological things that we say, the things to come. What's going to happen? Like some people are even trying to preach uh, the gospel of words. You have to do A and B and C in order that when Jesus comes, you will go to heaven as though salvation is by works. So there's that fear. It creates a lot of things that people try to think about to solve their present and current challenges that they are facing. Conclusively, all these fears are a result of sin in man. Therefore, if fear labels the challenge man faces today, then what can bring confidence in him? Can human gospel do, like in Galatians chapter 1, verses 6 to 7 to 9, Paul, as he was struggling with the Judaizers in his time, he was angry because some people came to the Galatian churches and they were preaching a wrong gospel and trying to win people to tell them if they believed in what they were preaching, then that was the good news for them. It Paul presents this especially in on verse 10 to verse 12 of this chapter one of Galatians. 
he's presenting and trying to define them as though they are preaching a human gospel. And now, can that human gospel help a person get out of here and become confident? Paul is saying, no, it can't. Only by grace that we have been saved, we cannot go for this human knowledge and gospel and make that gospel to make us come out of, of that fear. We can't. It will always bring us back to fear because it is all by work. Maybe I have done something wrong and maybe see my name, maybe see rest from the book of life because it is a human gospel. Can a religion, a religious claim bring that confidence? Like Ju Judaism, again, the Jewish beliefs and Catholicism, Pentecostalism and Islam and Hinduism, all these are religions. Can they bring confidence in man? And even evangelicalism, can that kind of a human religion bring confidence? In fact, no. Can science also bring confidence in man? Also, no. Answering these questions means needs an understanding of man's real problem. Man's problems clearly stated, just as I've, I've said before, it is seen. As we read from the book of Romans chapter 3, uh, verse 23, it says, For all have sinned and have fallen short of the glory of God. That is period. So when there is that short of glory, of the glory of God, there's a lot of kinds of things that have come with it. As you go back to the book of Genesis chapter 3, you will see what happened with Adam and Eve when they, they sinned. And this is what is currently happening as well. So in Isaiah chapter 53 verse 6, it also says, we all like sheep have gone astray. So sin brings fear. Why fear? Because we are guilty. And because of that offense. And we have broken the relationship with God and with one another. But again, there is shame and nakedness. And why have I put shame and nakedness together? It's like uh, when someone is, 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 is naked even today, unless he's not all there, if he's all there, then he should be ashamed. So shame is a result of that fear. And fear comes because the sin has brought this fear. And so there is judgment. Is that, is, is that the case? Then what can, if that is the case, then what can help man? We have seen good works can't. Judaism and Islam and other religions cannot. Good religions cannot, like Paul before the conversion that he, he boasted in Judaism, but Judaism, Judaism could not help Paul, as you, we read in Acts chapter, chapter 8 and 9, we see him being converted, but he was boasting because he was a Judaizer, a person who boasted in his religion, but it couldn't help until when the revelation from heaven 
when Jesus appeared to him and spoke to him and he was converted. And when he was converted, he turned after his baptism, he began preaching that Jesus is the Christ. But before he boasted in religion, science and philosophy can also not help man. As we read from the book of Acts chapter 17, verses 16 to 21, we see these people who were philosophers there, they were, and the Bible says, they always sat somewhere and they were doing nothing where they were sitting. They were just discussing all about this philosophy. But actually philosophy helps in other areas, but not for salvation, no, no, that it cannot take us away from the fear that man has. Because fear has come as a result of sin that is in man. So richness and wealth also cannot help man. You remember the man, the rich young man in Luke chapter 19. He came, uh, he came like boasting and just trying to get to heaven by works. And when Jesus told him, you go and say what you have and come and give to the, to, to the poor and come and follow me. He decided not to come to Jesus. He decided not to continue listening to Jesus because he thought richness and wealth were a means to his salvation. Religious wisdom and position like Nicodemus, he was also a religious leader, uh, but religion could not help him. When he came to Jesus at night in the book of John chapter 3, he acknowledged Jesus as the person who has come from heaven because all that he witnessed him do, nobody did before. And now what happened? He came to Jesus and Jesus challenged him and told him, Nicodemus, if you, were, you are not born again, then you will never see the kingdom of heaven. Now he said, how can I be born? And I am this old. But Jesus said, I'm speaking of a spiritual thing. I'm not speaking of, of physical things. So this is a religion, but also it's a position that could not help Nicodemus. We also read about, can, can idols and idolatry be of, of any help? We all know about the book of Daniel. It speaks, of, it speaks about the kingdoms that, were, uh, that are mentioned in this book, and particularly in the kingdom of Babylon. There are all, all, all sorts of these idols, and even that big idol that was created in, in chapter 3, um, that was made by Nebuchadnezzar in chapter 3 of the book of Daniel. Uh, Nebuchadnezzar forced all people to bow down to it, but Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego said, no, we have a higher God, because and your idol cannot help us of anything. So man's primary focus should be to get born again. In John chapter 3 and verse 3. Also, man needs reconciliation and to be renewed. As we read from 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 11 down to 21. So man needs to be reconciled. But also, man needs to be restored back to have the fellowship that God meant as he created him. So to have 
his relationship renewed with God. And man needs to remove his fear and the shame that he has because of that sin. You remember the story of the woman who was caught in adultery. When she came to Jesus, she had all this fear. And even these other people, they were also like uh, terrifying her. Like saying, now today you will see. But when she came to, she was brought to Jesus and Jesus had nothing to do against her. Only that she, he, he knew that everybody, even including those who brought her in, in his presence, they were also sinners. And when he asked them, whoever has no sin, please be the, the first to, 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 to stone the lady. Nobody did except Jesus who remained back and they left. Because Jesus is, has no sin. And the lady was told, now you go. Don't do what you have been doing any longer. Go and now live the life that God is pleased. So the other primary focus that we can have is the freedom that we are now free from the judgment. As we read from the book of Romans chapter 8, verse 1, down, as he, it says, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So there is no condemnation against us because of us being sinners, because Christ now has saved us. So man needs peace with God. And this will also be the primary focus, because when he lost his fellowship with God in the Garden of Eden. So man was restless. And so there was no peace in him. But now in God, we have peace. Romans chapter 5, verse 1, particularly. So there is peace. But again, not just peace with God, but also peace with one another. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 11 to 17. It gives the scenario, the picture of uh, the way the Jews related with the other nations. But in Jesus, that war has been broken just to reconcile us and bring us back to, 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 to the fellowship that God meant when he created us as human beings. That we are one now in Christ. There is peace with one another. So the things that God has done to us. One, God sent his son. He was born. He lived in the earth. He lived in the world. But also he taught, not just he came and said somewhere, but he taught. But again, he modeled life experience, the life that was expected. He modeled that life. Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 1, he says, follow me just as I follow Christ. Because Christ modeled the example. He modeled the life that we were expected to live before the fall of man in chapter 3 of the book of Genesis. So the son was also opposed. All that he did, but they were opposers because of man's nature 
So they sought to, to kill him. But we all know that he came for this purpose so that he can die on behalf of us. Because Romans chapter 6, verse 23 says, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. And so he came, though he was opposed, but he had a focus. And his focus was to save man. And now look, the son was tortured. He was crucified. However, he killed our sins. Isaiah chapter 53, verse 6. He bore what we were supposed to. In Colossians chapter 2, verse 15, 14 to 15, he was hanged on the cross for us. So he took our infirmities, our iniquities. He took our sins with him to the cross and he was nailed there. And so having been crucified, there was a kind of an announcement of a warrior who has triumphed that now it is done. From there, it, it was done. So, while he was on, on the cross, three things were fulfilled. God showed his love to sinners. His justice was publicly announced to people that God is just. He does not just forgive that way, but there's something that has been paid because he said, or the wages of sin is death. So someone had to die. So to, for him to be true, Jesus was had to die for us on behalf of us. Justice brought us justification that we are now justified. Romans 3 verse 25. When, Jesus, when God sees us through Jesus, then he sees us as righteous people. So God is holy. This is a presentation of what happened on the cross. Because God is holy. No wonder why Jesus said, Eloi, Eloi, Lamasabakidan. Why have you forsaken me? Because God is holy. At that time, Jesus was taking, he held our sins and saw for the holiness of God. God cannot just stand there. So all the three things we see, but love and justice and holiness. We are all together of a scene in that spot. We are now redeemed and forgiven. We are reconciled. We are cleansed. We are sealed just as in the book of Ephesians chapter 2 verse 14 and verse 14, 13 to 14. It says we are sealed by the Holy Spirit. Now that in God, we are secure, we are safe, that we should not live as though we are not saved. There's no fear, for there's now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So we are made children of God. So our debt is cleared. Therefore, in Christ, we are not condemned. We are a new creation. We are made alive. 
We are connected to God. We should live by faith. We have become God's children. We can pray confidently. We have an advocate and the great high priest, as we read from the book of Hebrews, chapter 4, verse 15, down to 16. We see Jesus is, is presented as the high priest, not like the other priests who every year had to give. Though once, but it was in every year, they had to give a sacrifice on behalf of the people's sins. But now Jesus did it once in the book of Hebrews chapter 9, verse 25 down to 27. And no wonder why the author of the book of Hebrews says, it's like man dying, he dies just once. He will never die again, but just to wait for resurrection on 20, verse 27. And this is just like a similar example that the author is trying to give an illustration that even our salvation has been done just once. Jesus died once and he will never die again. So we should be happy because we are redeemed in God. We should be happy. We should be happy. See, that is me. <laughs> I am happy in Christ. And you see the other co-workers also, they are happy in Christ. You, we are all happy in Christ. Therefore, redeemed people should live a happy life because they have peace with God. And because they are in Christ. Because now of that, they have confidence and they should live in peace. Second Corinthians chapter five, verse 17. As it says, this confirmation that those who are in Christ Jesus, they are a new creation. So if we are a new creation, then we are no longer, we, we, we should not be bothered about the past. Even if, yes, we can remember, but Christ has done it for us. All we should do is to live up to what God is pleased. So areas of focus, confidence should be found in Christ Jesus alone. Apart from that, we have other confidences, but they are just like a short time confidence. But this one is an everlasting confidence because in Christ, we are saved forever. We cannot like uh, stray away or go away from this salvation. It is for sure that we are saved. We are redeemed. We are reconciled. We are justified. And now we are his children. John, I love this portion of scriptures. John chapter 1, verse 11 to 12. And actually even 13, which says we are, we are not born out of blood. We are born spiritually. Because God is spirit and he has brought, brought us through Jesus Christ spiritually. Just like he said to Nicodemus that our, our salvation is not a physical thing. It has been done by a spiritual father. And so we are children of God spiritually. And sometimes there are other people, other group, groups or people who continue condemning and saying, you are calling yourselves children of God. Does God bear children? 
this is not the it is spiritual realm in the book of second Ephesians. Uh, sorry in the book of Ephesians chapter 2 uh, verse 6 and 7 it says now we are, we are rested in the spiritual realm having been saved by grace we are rested in the spiritual realm so now we belong to the family of God and now we have the advocate like in Hebrews chapter 4 verse 15 down that we have a great high priest. And our prayers, of course, like the verses I, 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 I read at the beginning of this session in 1 John chapter 5, verse uh, 13 to 14, that because we are now children of God, and so we can boldly approach him, we can confidently approach him, and we can pray. And of course, he can answer with those three answers normally we teach or we say, no or yes or wait because he's our god and he does this for our sake because he loves us so the responsibility christians now should have is now for us to be ready to help others know christ i was uh puzzled when i was in this land is it used to be like a christian land the seven churches that were pronounced by John, the disciple of Jesus, when he was in Patmos. He said about, you know, what was happening with these seven churches. They were in Turkey. And now Turkey is an Islamic country. Over eight, uh, I mean, eight, 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 eight million people. Eight, zero, and all the six other zeros. And now only 80,000 80, 80, 80, people are Christians. So it's like 0 0.01 is a, is a Christian population. And now maybe there is a need of praying to reclaim this land that used to be stepped by you know, Christ himself. Like you go to Egypt, you go to Tunisia. You go to uh, even to to the Holy Land in Israel, and you know we need to pray not not just in those lands, but also in our own countries. We have to pray and tell others about this confidence we have in Christ. First John chapter five, verse fourteen. So that is our duty. So thank you, dear brothers and sisters. I hope. God has blessed us through this uh, presentation. May God bless you. Thank you, Bishop. I wanted to thank you for the points that you made. I, I especially appreciate that confidence is more than what so many people take it as, as just an emotion or a feeling, but it's a practical thing. And it has an opposite. And I especially appreciated the sense of we can overcome the fear and we can have a practical application of that and it is work and we have a responsibility to that so well-rounded and appreciative i'm going to one thank you but then also give time for some question and answer and that session will be led uh, just right now after this thanks thank you very much <clears throat> and thank you very much uh, bishop uh, it's time for uh, question and answer 
segment now. And um, if anyone wants to ask a question verbally, you can signify by clicking on the raise hand icon at the bottom of your screen so I can unmute you to ask the questions. Uh, I think there's a hand being raised here. Okay, uh, blessing Ogunaya, you can unmute yourself to ask your question. Blessing Ogunaya, are you still there? Okay. Okay, pending the time, let me read out the question from the question and answer box here. Yeah, uh, this question is from an anonymous attendee, and he or she is asking that how does one continues to serve in confidence when one gets sick with deliberating sickness, when his friends who choose to believe in fraternities and new age religion mocks or relatives who believe traditional healers help one better than faith in Christ? Hmm. Should I go ahead and try to address that? Yes, sir. Okay, thank you very much. I know, uh, okay, the anonymous attendee. <laughs> I, I, lo I love that name, first of all. <laughs> um, I, I think this dilemma is uh, for most uh, believers in the true God. Not just today, it began, I think, long time ago that people had a dilemma, dilemma. Like you, when you, we read from the book of Psalms, chapter 73, we have this man of God. He said, I almost, maybe I, I, I want us to, to, to hear what the reading says in the book of uh, Psalm chapter 73. Um, he, he's saying, he's saying, sure, God is good to Israel, to those who are pure in heart. That's how he begins. But it had almost slipped. I had nearly lost my foothold, for I, I envied the arrogant when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. They have no struggles. They, their bodies are healthy and strong. They are free from the burdens common to man. They are not plagued by human ills. Therefore, pride is their necklace. They clothe themselves with violence. From their callous hearts comes iniquity. The evil conceits of their minds know no limits. They scoff and speak with malice in their arrogance. They threaten oppression of the earth. Therefore, their people turn to them and drink up waters in abundance. They say, how can God know? Does the Most High have knowledge? They are even like taunting against the Holy God. This is what the wicked are like, always care, carefree. 
they increase in wealth. Sure, in vain have I kept my heart pure. In vain have I washed my hands in innocency. That's what he's comparing himself to those people who were evil, but they are prospering. Or they had said, I would speak thus, I would have betrayed your children. To understand all this, it was oppressive to me. Till then you place them on slippery ground. You cast them down to ruin. How suddenly are they destroyed, completely swept away by terrors as a dream when one awakes. So when you arise, oh God, you will despise them as fantasies. When, they are the, when my heart was grieved and my spirit embittered, I was senseless and ignorant. I was a brute beast before you. Yet I am always with you. You hold me by my right hand. You guide me with your counsel. And afterward, you will take me into glory. When have I, when, whom, whom have I in heaven but you? And earth has nothing I desire besides you. My flesh and my heart may fail. But God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. Those who are far from you will perish. You destroy all who are unfaithful to you. But as for me, it is good to be near God. I have made the sovereign Lord my refugee. I tell of all your deeds. So God, God, God um, makes things happen in his sovereign will. Like here, this psalmist is trying to grumble, I mean, to, to, to lament, to say, it's not fair. If these guys are prospering and I am, you know, having this problem, but now when he saw the end result of what's going to happen, then he rejoiced. And he saw that God is doing in for his glory. It's just like what happened with Job. What was the case with Job? So... God does everything for his glory. And also, um, I sometimes remember um, John when I have these questions. John chapter 9 about this blind person. And when they were questioning, who sinned? Who sinned? But he, Jesus said, no, this has happened just for, for God's glory. And so um, confidence is not necessarily coming because I am not sick. As we read from the book of Romans chapter 5, down to verse, verse, uh, verse 11, you will see that even when we are grieved, even when we are afflicted, still there is confidence because our salvation is not necessarily based on our wellness. So spiritually we are well, but again, we are now living like we are going to, you know, we, we, we like this is the eternal state where we are now. So we are living by faith, as he says in, 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 in Ephesians chapter 2, verse, verse 6 uh, to 7. It's just like we are now settled in him. 
So sickness and other things, other inflictions and other other things, so they come as just normal to, to human being because of the fallen nature. So we are living in the world, we are not of the world. However, um, um, temptations can come. However, sickness and other things can come, but this is just normal for human being like First Corinthians chapter uh, 10 verse 13 says. So thank you for that question. It requires a long discussion. Okay, thank you so much, sir. Um, I have another question from another anonymous attendee and he or she is asking that in the course of evangelism or outreach, what is the best response to confirming the orthodoxy of the Christian faith as against denominational differences? Many non-Christians say they are confused by the different preachings of various denominations. So what is it that central, what is it that central position of faith that defines the true born again Christian irrespective of denominational differences? Yeah, I would just take uh, her or him to the book of Galatians, as Paul was trying to hustle around the two Gospels, the Gospel by circumcision, the Gospel by works. And he said, that is not the Gospel. And whoever preaches a Gospel that is different, let, be, let, let him or her be anathema, because he's, he's wrongly preaching. What... Now, the center of our faith is Jesus himself. So... No matter how many words I will say, only the center should be Jesus. He's the one, the only one. Is recognized by Paul in the book of Romans, chapter 5, verse 6 and verse 8. That while we are still sinners, Christ died for us. So that is the only person that we can preach and advocate, I mean, tell people. Uh, to come to the knowledge of the Savior. So that's what I can say. All the other outreaches, be them, you know, whatever they are preaching and saying, the orthodox belief that we have is our faith. You know, against any other faith is Jesus being the center. And in everywhere, you know, even when Jesus was about to leave in John chapter 16, he said, when he comes, that the helper, the Holy Spirit, he will tell you about all that I've told you. So he will, his, his message will be centered in confirming about Jesus, not about anything. So whoever preaches the gospel that is centered in Jesus and that salvation is by grace and that when we have faith in Jesus, then we are saved. That is the true gospel. No wonder why Martin Luther came up with this one. It was like a new picture that he discovered, but it was there when he was a, you know, a, a theologian teacher in this school. Now he came up with that Romans chapter one, verse seventeen, that a right a person, you know, a righteous man will live by faith. You know, we only can not be righteous if we are not having faith in Jesus Christ. No matter what denomination I belong to, no matter what faith I have, if I don't have Jesus, I'm just nothing. So I need the gospel. 
So that's what I can say about the question. Okay, thank you, sir. And I think I have the last question here. It's coming from Livingstone AK, and he's asking that, please, how does one handle a situation where his mom living with him lays accusation at his wife, even grievous ones, has been responsible for deaths? Hmm. Um, I, I, my question to how he, okay, Livingstone, thanks. Uh, my question to Livingstone is, uh, are these people all believers? I mean, in Christ, are they Christians? Yes, he said yes. Okay, so they are all Christians. Now handling the situation, um, one is uh, living with a spirit of forgiveness. In Ephesians chapter 4, verse 32, it says, forgive as Christ has forgiven us. So that is one. And, uh, and the other thing is just continue showing love. Don't hate as they hate us. So love and forgive. Maybe that's all, the only answer I would, I would give. But again, pray. Because the one who changes our hearts, like he changed Paul and us, he will do. God is capable of doing even beyond what we can think. So this is a broken relationship and they are living together. Only God can reconcile, just as we have said about the reconciliation. Only in God that we are reconciled through Jesus Christ. And so in 2 Corinthians chapter five, as you begin reading from verse 18 to 19, that Christ, God was in Christ reconciling the world. And so he has also made us to be reconcilers for others. It's like he has sent us out there to reconcile. And now if I am not reconciled, then how can I reconcile others? So this is a reconciliation matter. And I think there is a, a, a simple problem possibly between, between what is happening here of the spiritual formation that one is not formed. Although he's, or she's a Christian, but it's just by name. He can be saved, you know, but transformation is a process. And now it's a matter of praying for him or her and loving and even forgiving. Don't revenge. So thank you. Okay. Thank you, sir. Um, I think we've come to the end of the question and answer section now. Um, you can catch up with the recording of this webinar uh, tomorrow on our YouTube channel, and it will also be live on our website as well. So I'm going to hand over to my uh, South Africa country director, uh, Patrick Glamini, for the vote of thanks and closing prayer. Santa Sana um, Chungachi. Mm. Uh, it was really a pleasure uh, just being able to listen and into that balanced theology uh, presentation mm. that you've made for us. Uh, may the Lord uh, really bless you there uh, for sharing this time with us. But we Thank also you. want to take the opportunity uh, to extend a vote of thanks 
to every single one of our participants that took the time to listen in on God's word. We know that sometimes uh, this time of the day, people are in business and all kinds of stuff. So it's really the hungry that sets aside everything uh, to be able to sit in and to listen. So we really, really appreciate that. Mungu akuparika sana mchungachi. Amen, asante. Asante, asante sana. It's Africa days. Yeah, I, I googled you a bit and saw that you are located somewhere in Mwanza. I was a missionary in, in Tanzania for a couple oh. of years, so I'm, I oh, hope to meet great. you in person one of these days. Yeah, oh, but anyway, you. let's not forget the rest of our audience. <laughs> okay, bless you and just thank you so much. If I could please um, have us close in prayer. Thank you so much. Amen. Father, we want to thank you for the presentation of your words. Your word is alive, it is active, it cuts to the very marrow of the bone, God. And Lord, as we sit under your word, there's a renewal that takes place in us that we cannot even fully fathom. And there are many who have listened today and many who will listen later uh, to, the, to, to, to what will be rebroadcast. We're praying, Holy Spirit, that you would come and will ignite life in and through this word, that many of us will find that confidence, that assurance that we need in the finished work of the cross. There is nothing that we can ever do to be accepted more, to be loved more. Jesus Christ has paid the full price for our salvation. He has paid the full price for our liberation. He has made provision for the destinies which he has called us to. And we can walk with full confidence as we walk towards, towards that being guided and led by your Holy Spirit. So, Father, we thank you and honor you, and we pray your blessing upon each and every listener. Somebody could be listening, and there's an area of need within their lives right now. They're not even sure how to be able to articulate that in words. Holy Spirit, you know every need that is represented, and we're asking you to meet it according to your hand of grace and love over your people. We bless you and honor you in Jesus' precious name. Amen. 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 Bless you, sir. Thank you. Amen. Bless you. Thanks. God bless Thank you. Thank you.